Hello and welcome to the Applied Innovations Podcast. I am your host, Raphael, and this is your source for manufacturing insights, best practices, and technology. Building parts that are up to spec and fully within tolerance is essential to being a manufacturer. In this episode, we review part verification, CMMs, and the five-axis probing technologies that speed up this important process. I spoke with Charles Gallant, a Renishaw applications engineer and CMM expert. He's been in the field for several years doing hands-on support of multi-sensor five-axis measurement systems and even retrofitting older CMMs with today's most effective technologies. I want to thank Renishaw for lending Charles to us for this episode, but also for sponsoring the show. For additional information and videos on any equipment we cover today, go to renishaw.com or click the links in the show notes. And now, here's my conversation with CMM engineer and expert, Charles Gallant. Charles, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you, Ralph? I'm doing all right. It's been a hectic day, but I'm glad to have you on today. I'm looking forward to talking to you today about uh, CMM measurement. It seems to be the most important part at the end of producing parts, uh, the verification side of everything. Absolutely. You got to make sure the uh, parts you're spending all your time and money on are correct before you sell them and get them out in the market. Yeah. You, you want to make sure you're getting the thing you paid for essentially is what people out there would want. So Charles, tell me a little bit about uh, CMM measurements. First off, what is a CMM? What, what, what's the acronym stand for? So a CMM is a coordinate measuring machine. Uh, it's typically or traditionally a three-axis machine, an X, Y, and Z that has some sort of sensing tip on the end that'll make contact with uh, the physical part you've created to check features, positions, sizes, to make sure everything is within spec to the original engineer drawing. How important is it for something to be to spec? It depends on the component. That's part of the engineer's job is to define tolerances to every part and feature that's called out on the drawing that's cut and created. It's up to them to decide, can this hole that's supposed to be 14 millimeters, can it be half a millimeter big or small? Can it be a tenth of a millimeter big or small? Or is it even smaller and more precise than that? That's where our machine comes in to verify that measurement and make sure it's within that spec compared to the nominal value. When you're looking at some of the parts, we're looking at automotive parts, aerospace parts, where the tolerances need to be very specific and precise. Is that right? I mean, what can go wrong if it's not? Depending on what the feature is or what the part does, it could be catastrophic. Uh, there's, there's tolerances applied to everything, as I said. So when you look at aerospace, for example, and we're making these, these blisk blades or the fan blades that spin to pull the air through these uh, jet engines, if they're outside the tolerance and they're going to either not pull air as efficiently as it needs to, it's going to cause the, the disc to be unbalanced. Um, if it's going to end up colliding with something else inside because it's just slightly too long, it could cause a, a, a catastrophic failure in the engine. So quality assurance is extremely crucial in the manufacturing process. Yeah, especially with those industries. Wow. I mean, lives are at stake, really. <laughs> That's what it comes down to, isn't it? How do we achieve this level of perfection or close to perfection? Nothing's ever perfect, right? That's I've always heard that from engineers. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the whole idea of tolerances. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we have wiggle room, essentially, is what you're saying. This, exactly. Our wiggle room is this much. Uh, so tell me a little bit, how, how do we find out what our wiggle room is building these things out? You mentioned uh, CMM measurements on this machine. You want to find 
the tolerances you, you are given the tolerances usually yeah the tolerances are given by the design engineer that's actually designed or created the concept of the part before it's actually put into manufacture when you look at the cmms even the machines themselves so the cutting tools the cmms everything has some sort of error allowance built into it as you just said nothing's perfect right so the cmms are typically calibrated to international standards using artifacts that are calibrated by some of the most accurate machines in the world so that we can get these machines in the field down to a range of say plus or minus two microns, one micron, sometimes submicrons, where you're looking at less than a thousandth of a millimeter of actual accuracy that it's getting in space. We have a device that's going to be doing a lot of the verification of parts. You're going to be confirming that you know, what you are trying to build is accurately built within tolerance, of course. So how do you calibrate something like that? How do you know that the machine itself is still verified in its own way? So the machines are, are traceable back to international standards. Uh, the One of the most common ones that are used and the one that Renishaw follows is the ISO 10360 test. Um, that's a, a test comprised of different parts or components that will look at not only the, the measuring accuracy of, say, lengths around the machine to make sure that when you say you're measuring something that's you know, 14.3 millimeters, it's really 14.3 millimeters. It's not say 15, it's not 14.7. Uh, but they also have different scanning tests too that will verify the, the probe's ability to measure along with the, the machine's accurate, accuracy itself. Um, so those are the how, how you would verify the actual frame itself. Um, something else that sets the, the Revo apart from a traditional system in the sense of calibration is the way the actual tip calibrations are managed themselves. So with the, the PH10, it's uh, an indexing head. It's seven and a half degree increments around the A and B axis uh, that it can move. And whether you're using a scanning probe, you're using a touch trigger probe, you're using something else, uh, entirely that's attached to the end of that, that pH 10, it needs to be calibrated at every one of those positions, uh, depending on what your, depending on what technology you're using on the, for, for your probe, the calibrations could take anywhere from two minutes to five minutes per orientation. If you do the math on that, there's 720 orientations that the pH 10 is capable of indexing to. Uh, so if you times that by, say, five minutes of calibration, you're looking at a really, really long calibration routine if you need all those angles. Now, that's kind of an extreme case. So most people don't use all those angles, but there are certain customers that do. The Revo does an, what we call an inferred calibration. So it runs a routine using the five-axis measurement with the head and the machine to measure a datum sphere as you would with a, a pH 10 in traditional system. But with this routine that takes about 17 minutes, depending on the machine speeds, you're then calibrated for every angle and every orientation you could possibly think of with the Revo. And because it's not an indexing head, it's an active head, there's no lock seat. It's all controlled under servo motors. So you can go to you know, 14.65 degrees, if that's what aligns best to your feature, as opposed to finding the closest one in a pH 10, plus you get to skip all those extra calibration routines run. What are some of the tools that you use to measure? Uh, you mentioned a CMM machine, but I'm assuming that's not actually what's doing the touching and the measuring. Correct. So the CMM is the actual frame itself. On the end, there has to be some sort of sensor. So offerings from Renishaw would be a, the kind of the gold standard or the industry accepted standard is the, the PH10. Um, you see it across many, many, many machine shops, many different manufacturers of these controls and these machines have integrated our probe head into it. This PH10 probe head offers two axes that can 
index at seven and a half degree increments, but can align to different features. When you have the, you know, you put a part on the machine, you're only going to be able to orientate it in certain ways, but these holes aren't all going to be true to just, uh, you know, straight up and down, straight in from the side. So the pH 10 allowed you to index the sensors around on the end of the quill so that they can align into different features without having to refixture and redate them the part every time. That sounds like a past tense with that particular machine. Is there something that you're using nowadays that has a little more power, a little more oomph to it? So Renishaw's flagship inspection. Flagship. Uh, I like that. That's cool. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if that's probably the right word to use. Maybe we'll you know what? do that We're over again. It. We're going to say flagship. Yeah. It's cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's official as of this podcast. <laughs> flagship product. <laughs> Renishaw's top new indexing probe that we offer is going to be the Revo head. So it still has two additional axes as the pH 10 did, but the difference is they're not, uh, it's not a true indexing head anymore. It's an infinite positioning head. So the head itself floats on air bearings, similar to how the, the CMMs do. So you have very, very minimal friction and the head itself is able to do measurement and movement independent of machine movement. This is really big for not only the extended accuracy you can get out of your measurements, but also the speed that you can get out of the CMM and increase your throughput, which uh, has been mentioned a couple of times in the past in your, uh, your series of shows here. The QA room is always the bottleneck and everybody always points to, to QA as, you know, it costs the company money to install and maintain these machines. And all it does is potentially reject parts and slow down the the process, but like we mentioned earlier, it's a, a crucial step as well. Right. I mean, you could be saving lives, you could be saving money, you could be saving parts, uh, all because of quality control. So this is good. See, I don't know why people are complaining. These are a lot of great benefits, <laughs> but but you're right. It is it is a an obstacle to surpass, and it can be a little bit tricky. But I'm glad uh, these tools seem to be helping the process along. Traditionally. The speeds have varied on this kind of technology. So tell me, have, we've gotten faster, I'm assuming. So the benefit you get with the Revo compared to the pH 10, as I said, the pH 10 index is to align itself to features that aren't true in the XYZ coordinate system of the machine. The CMN would have to pull the probe out of the feature, go up to a clearance position, pause, let the head disengage, rotate to the next orientation it needed for the next feature on its list lock back in and then drive to that feature. With the Revo, we can start to move and position the head to the next feature as it's coming out of the current feature. So you eliminate not only those pauses for the indexing, index changing of the head where it goes from its A and B angles, but also those clearance moves too. So when you have a part that has say 50 features, 100 features, sometimes even more, a second here or there, even half a second here or there adds up to quite a bit of time savings, especially when we're considered the bottleneck. What's the maximum number of features? Is there such a thing? is just how long do you want to sit there and how long you want to program? Correct. Well, it's again, it's up to the design engineer. It's how many features are on this given part, how many of them are crucial and how many need to be inspected. Okay. So not everything necessarily has to be inspected. It's just the stuff that uh, the designer is like, okay, this is essential. We need to make sure this particular part is ready to go. In most cases, we'll, our, our programmers will be provided a print from the, the actual manufacturer of it from their engineering team and say, you know, these 15 features out of the 20, say, maybe need to be inspected. And that's up to them to, to program those features. Okay. So you could streamline it a little bit, but if you want to go crazy, you could measure everything, I guess. There's certain crucial parts that do have a hundred percent inspection. So it's not uncommon. So how long does this normally take? Uh, let's, let's do a comparison here now. Something more of a, a traditional kind of uh, scanning, I guess, is what it would be called. Um, and then the new version 
with the repo that you mentioned. So what kind of comparisons on time, given all the variables being the same number of features and things like that, usually uh, ballpark? Sure. So a ballpark number we typically throw out is you can, in most cases, expect a 15 to 50% improvement on your inspection times. That's good. Uh, I could speak to, to one of my early jobs I did with Renishaw when I came on board was a, a rather large machine that had the standard pH 10 on it. Um, we did a, we brought them a new machine that had Revo pre-installed and without making really any modifications to their program to optimize it for Revo, they went from a runtime of around, I want to say it was four or six hours to inspect the part. Wow. And they were down to, I think it was three, if I remember, it's been a couple of years, but it was a substantial time savings without even optimizing the program for what the Revo could really do and really putting it through its paces. Not only did you pretty much reduce it by half, you could even fine tune it even more with software and make it even faster. So a lot of that comes down to taking out those clearance moves to index the probe. So in the, the last case I was using as an example, uh, was done. I believe a lot of those clearance moves were left in, but the head's able to start articulating itself as it's moving to that clearance space. So your pauses are a lot less. As they went through and took those extra clearance moves out, they optimized the the go-to commands or the movements to say, go from this point to this point. You can do a, a lot of things to really shave half a second, seconds here and there throughout this really, really long program that add up to a, a very important savings. When you're looking at the machine that's doing the work, the program, probe head. Um, and you, you're obviously using software to help it along. What's doing the heavy lifting on this? Is it mostly a lot of the software doing the work here? Or is it the probe head? Or is it really that indistinguishable? You can't quite tell. There's definitely going to be a mix. You're, uh, you know, the, the probe head being able to be this active head that can work in conjunction and turn your traditional three axis machine to a true five axis. Um, you're, you're going to get a, a big benefit just from the, the speeds and the motions and movements that you're now able to achieve. But then the, the software to be able to path plan and find uh, the most efficient ways to get from point A to point B, or say you have this big, large plane. Uh, a good example would be a transmission housing. They have cooling channels through them that look like a, a big, what they call them, those labyrinth mazes almost with the little marble in it that has all the little top surfaces. Oh, yeah, 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 I've seen those. The Revo is able to come in and it can touch on the top of those raised surfaces. And instead of, you know, going in a straight line to trace one stop and then change its position and change its approach, come back on the surface, settle out and, and continue on the measurement, the Revo is able to make contact once. And then while the machine's moving at a constant speed, the head can actually move its two axes back and forth to follow that, that worm path or that worm trace, which not only gives you better data because you're not coming on and off the surface and repositioning, and plus the machine's moving at a constant speed, so you're not potentially inducing any extra error from that, but you're also have potentially better data because again, you're never leaving the surface. So you're not stitching different pieces of data together. Then that's where the software comes in. It's able to take all those numbers and all this, this large quantity of data that you've accumulated and it can crunch those numbers in the background and then spit out your single value to say, you know, this plane is in conformance. The speed comes primarily from the fact that it can achieve uh, movement in five axes as opposed to three. Definitely. It moves more easily. It moves much more quickly. Uh, with the Revo, we have uh, the ability to reach up speeds up to 500 millimeters a second, which uh, is faster than some of the CMM axes can even move on their own. So when you add that into the, the traditional movement, that's where your, your speed savings comes from. We focus on the Revo a bunch here, which I think is kind of the, the top dog when you go to the, the five axis stuff. But we also have a, a PH20 probe head that takes our traditional touch 
trigger measurement probing systems and puts it on a five axis head as well. So in the same kind of thing where the, the Revo can position itself and move uh, in conjunction with the machine, you get the same concept with a, a pH 20. So say you have a part with a lot of holes in it is kind of where the pH 20 shines. You have the ability for the machine to come in and position that tip in the center of a hole. And then the probe head itself can actually take your touch points to measure a circle. You'll typically take anywhere, you know, a minimum of three, but up to, you know, five, 10, 15, you know, the kind of the, the sky's the limit on how many points you need to take to measure this feature, but it can come in and it can knock those points out in fractions of the time it would take the CMM to come in and position and manually take each of those touch points with a traditional probe. So you're saying it will scan a specific feature and obtain, well, not infinite amounts of points, but thousands, hundreds of points? The PH20 is going to be touch trigger as opposed to scanning. So you're going to get single points with that. But if you go back to the Revo for scanning, say a bore, say a, a cylinder sleeve of, a, of an engine for an automotive manufacturer, it's an analog feedback we're getting. You basically have a, a constant stream of where that tip is in space and where your XYZ position are. From there, the controller latches points. So you're, depending on how fast you're moving around that surface, is going to change the amount of points you get. But you could be, you know, acquiring multiple thousands of points a second while your your Revo tip is on the surface. Wow, that's amazing. So how does it achieve this? What what is it that makes it more well clearly one of them is analog and one of them has a digital component to it? The analog components for all of our scanning probes, all of those are a constant feedback that the control will latch the points out of. When you go back to the touch trigger, you basically have a, a very highly repeatable switch. This is a, a technology that's seen across the product groups of Renishaw. You know, this is uh kind of what started Renishaw was the initial... Oh, like a machine tool, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, like yeah. a machine tool probe, perfect. Yep, so we're very, very similar to that. Or it's, it's identical technology to that. We've just adapted it to these active heads that can do measurements on their own, but they're also made in a, a quality lab, so you kind of get that independent check from the machine tool. And with a Revo, you're using the analog part, like the machine tool probe. Kind of the standard probing system that goes on the Revo. The Revo is a multi-sensor platform, so there's a, a, a wide library of, of probes that you could put on the end to, to get different measurements. But the kind of the standard or probe that comes with it or what makes the Revo do what it does, we call the RSP2, the Revo Scanning Probe 2. It uses a technology called tip sensing that shoots a laser down a hollow carbon fiber tube to a mirror, a flat mirror that's attached nearly to the end of the stylus itself. So on your traditional scanning probe, say even like RSP25, RSP600, the styli that go on the end of the probes need to be incredibly rigid because we have no idea what's going on out there. So we have laser feedback or, or feedback sensors in the probe body itself to see what the the stylus holder is doing, we have to make the assumption that the, the tip isn't bending in space and it's exactly where we think it is to get the, the measurements, which in most cases it absolutely is. When you get down to some very, very fine tips and some very thin stems, say, you know, a millimeter or less in diameter for these tiny little steel stems, in some cases you can see the bending. Uh, what the Revo does to take that out is we have our stylus holders that range anywhere from 175 millimeters to 500 millimeters that shoot a laser down these hollow carbon fiber tubes to this flat mirror I talked about earlier and send the laser feedback back. So instead of not wanting bending, we do want bending with the Revo because we can see exactly what this long carbon fiber tube is doing in space. So our only unknown is typically say 10 millimeters in space as opposed to 50, 100 or 150 that you would do with some other scanning probes that are on the market. That's a lot. So you have a lot of options. So basically is what you're saying. Absolutely. Add different styli on there. 
let's say you want a new Revo or a PH20, but you already have an existing CMM. What is it that you would do? Do you just switch it out? Is it plug and play? Can you switch them out? Do you need a brand new CMM? How does that usually work? So you don't need a new CMM. Most of the OEMs on the, the market today uh, have the option of getting the Revo system pre-installed if you were to buy a new CMM. But Renishaw, along with a network of partner companies, offers retrofit services on machines where you can get the Revo installed on, say, your existing machine. So say you had a competitor's frame with a competitor's probing system on it, and that wasn't suiting your needs anymore, and the Revo is going to, to take care of your needs we could go in and strip the old cabling, the old probe heads, and potentially the old scales off that machine, replace them with Renishaw offerings. And then that machine is now updated to the point where it can run the Revo without having to spend the, the money on a, a brand new physical piece of hardware. You're only buying the components that go on it. The Renishaw control that runs the Revo is the UCC. It's the universal CMM control. So it's kind of built around the idea of being retrofitted or being applied to anybody's frame. So it was designed initially to be installed to any frame at all, even the controller. Absolutely. Once you have your Revo installed, you have the standard five axis head, you have styli that you can buy and put on that rack and switch them out automatically. What else can you do to kind of enhance the power of this thing? Tell me a little bit about the ecosystem that comes along with something like a Revo. The bread and butter of what makes the Revo do its thing initially is the RSP2, the Revo Scanning Probe 2. That's a 2D scanning probe that allows you to measure with the head independent of the CMM if the application allows. Um, From there, we have the RSP3 that's similar to our SP25. We have surface finish offerings, and then we even have non-contact offerings where we can measure features and surfaces without even making contact to the part. So once you install it, you can just keep adding to it without having to install more equipment or alter equipment. At that point, it does become plug and play almost. All of those uh, additional probing components are rack changeable. They can be done in DCC by the machine itself, just on a, a physical rack that's bolted to the machine. So there's there's no need for an engineer to be on site to add surface finish to this machine you've been running for, say, two years. We're definitely going to talk about those a little bit in another show one day down the line. I'll get you back here and we'll talk about each one of those because it seems like there are many options that you can do a bunch of different things with each of them. So um, a lot of options with a diverse range of applications, it seems. So it might be a good idea to talk about that. I look forward to that. Sounds good. Charles, thank you very much for coming in and talking to us about the Revo inspection system five axes of power and also the pH 20 and the, even the pH 10, right? That was a three axis one. So we kind of ran the gamut on all of them, but uh, thank you very much for talking to us. And uh, I hope to have you back so we can talk a little more about the ecosystem, the little probes that you can add to the Revo. Thank you very much for having me. I look forward to uh, chatting again in the future. Thanks Charles. Take care. And that was my conversation with CMM expert Charles Gallant. I hope that all the information shared with us is of some value to you and your business. Thank you for listening to the show, and be sure to subscribe to the feed to catch the latest episode immediately upon release. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at appliedinnovationspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I am Raphael, and this is the Applied Innovations Podcast. (laughs) 